0: 43 to verse 54, John chapter 4, verse 43 to verse 54, the title of my message is, Come Down, Lord, Come Down, and so uh, verse 43 and following, if you follow along as we read, now after two days he departed thence, and you remember he was with the Samaritan woman in Samaria, and they were uh, there, we, uh, we talked about that, after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. And when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again unto Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that. He would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And when Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. And Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And himself believed in his whole house. This again is the second miracle which Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Now, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our eyes as we think about this faith of this uh, nobleman's son and the effect of that faith and the uh, the lessons that are there for us today. We pray you'd uh, bless us as we consider where our faith is and, and uh, that uh, there be those that have not yet place their faith in the word of Jesus Christ that today they would come to know him as their savior. I pray for us that need to grow in faith that you'd help us with that too. Ask your blessing on the preparations for camp and all the other things going on for that. We pray that there'll be a great week there at camp and, and your blessings on the preaching and the fellowship and the times together and that you'd get our young people up and back safely and help them to grow in Christ in this uh, week ahead. We thank you for our nation, the freedom and the independence that we have from uh, England and the uh, and the fact that that always reminds us of the independence that we can have in Christ as uh, children of God. We ask your blessing on this uh, word now, and we pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. And if you would just remain, Chapter Four, again, and the title of the message: "Come Down." And he said, "Sir, come down." <laughs> One hurdle that Muslims have in considering the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ is the idea that God would come down. They can't conceive of that. That. Uh, God would come down, that God would any, in any sense humble himself to come down. Their conception of Allah is as a God who is very distant from his creation and would never uh, sully himself by coming down into the presence of, of man. And so they have uh, a great deal of uh, difficulty overcoming that in, in considering the Lord Jesus Christ who, who did come down. Yeah. The doctrine of the virgin birth of the Savior is something inconceivable to them that through such a means God would come into the world. They have very great difficulty getting past that and so that's one of the things we have to concern ourselves with when witnessing to Muslims is helping them to understand that God did indeed come down and here's one of those senses in which uh, he uh, did and he was uh, called upon to come down and, and this uh, nobleman of, uh, uh, of Capernaum that we are looking at, that we're reading about here, teaches us some great truths. This great truth that God came down to an undeserving mankind, to an undeserving world. Philippians chapter 2 puts it this way. said, let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant uh, and uh, was made in the likeness of men. Being found as in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he says, Wherefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he came down and was brought into a place of even higher exaltation than before, so if that could be possible. But the Bible tells us plainly that he did humble himself. The Muslim mind says God could not possibly have anything to do with humbling himself and coming into the presence of a sinful world, but he did. And that really is the only way that we have any hope of salvation is that God would come down. The nobleman in Capernaum gives us an illustration of three stages of genuine faith. And we want to spend some time this morning considering those as we think about his request for uh, the Lord to come down to where he was. He'd heard of a preacher and a prophet that had been uh, preaching there in Jerusalem. He'd heard of this uh, Jesus and he'd heard of some of the things that had happened there in the presence of the Lord, some of the miraculous events that had taken place there, some of the stir that was caused in Jerusalem by this one that many considered a prophet, and uh, some considered him sent from God, but uh, not many understood that he was the Messiah. He'd heard of this preacher, this prophet, this uh, worker of miracles in Jerusalem, and he'd heard now that he'd come to uh, his own area, He's uh, in Capernaum. If you uh, have the blessing of being able to go to uh, Capernaum someday, you're going to be coming south from on the bus from uh, Jerusalem, and you're going to uh, come over through some hills and so forth, and you'll be uh, turning about, and uh, suddenly you'll look over and you'll see the Sea of Galilee, and you'll find yourself descending, descending, descending uh, down the uh, hillsides and into the area of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And right there on the north west shore of the Sea of Galilee, you're going to come into the little village of Capernaum. This is where this man lived. Now Cana is going to be to the east, uh, or excuse me, to the west of uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee. It's going to be about 15 miles to the west. And when you're coming on your tour bus down into Capernaum, you're looking off uh, to the west and you're seeing that it is uh, hills all the way up and hills and hills all the way up. And so Cana is 15 miles up in the hills from where Capernaum is. So when he says come down, it's literally that he's coming down from the, going to be coming down from Cana to Capernaum, down the hillsides, down into the low area there by the, sea, the shores of the Sea of Galilee. That's what he's asking for him to do. Here's a desperate father in need of help for his son who has been diagnosed with a terminal situation. He has uh, uh, come to that place where there's no help from man. And so the the, uh, first stage of faith, if you will, is uh, kicking in here for this uh, nobleman of Capernaum. The first stage of faith we might call seeking, seeking. And uh, really that's the place at which the seed has been broadcast. The seed of God's word has been uh, given out. This man has heard it. Indirectly, he's heard something of what Jesus has been saying and doing in Jerusalem. He's heard the rumors and he's heard some of the things that have been said by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the seed has been broadcast. It's been planted uh, there in this individual's heart. This man is responding by, uh, by going up uh, the 15 miles from Cana, uh, to, from Capernaum to Cana. He is responding. He's seeking. And the scripture makes it clear that uh, he that seeks the Lord with his whole heart will find him. The Bible says a lot about the importance of seeking God. Seeking God. you know, We love him because he first loved us and we know that he made the first advance. He came to earth to a people that by and large were not seeking him. But uh, we thank God that we're given the opportunity to seek Him and we're given the promise that if we seek Him with all our heart, we'll find Him. If today, if this morning you're seeking God and haven't yet found Him, I want to tell you that He's waiting and He uh, will respond to your faithful heart, to your seeking of Him. So the seed was broadcast and the Bible describes faith, uh, faith's beginning stages, if you will, like that, like a mustard seed. Uh, the Lord Jesus said, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, uh, it it's uh, begins as something very small, a mustard seed, uh, a grain of mustard seed is very insignificant, hardly, uh, hardly can see it. It's one of the smaller seeds, one of the smallest of seeds, and yet it's compared to this seeking faith, this starting point of faith. Uh, faith does not begin fully grown, fully mature. That's apparent from the scriptures we read in the Bible in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, we see these words, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Your faith groweth exceedingly. So here was these, uh, the Thessalonian believers in the church there, and they had been um, hearing the Word preached. They had been reading the, the Word. They had been studying principally what they had at this time was the Old Testament. They had some of the testimony of the apostles and, and that, but principally what they were getting was what Paul was preaching to them. And and what Paul was preaching was how that Jesus fulfilled all the, uh, all the Old Testament scriptures. That's what Jesus preached. When he preached, he preached the Old Testament. He preached the scriptures of the Old Testament, and, and, and he showed, uh, such as the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that these are they which speak of me. And so he preached uh, the, the Savior. He preached himself as the Messiah, but he certainly used... He uh, primarily use the Old Testament scriptures in doing that. You, as I, you and I as New Testament Christians certainly do not want to neglect the Old Testament. The value of the Old Testament is inestimable in our lives. The scripture makes it plain that the, the those things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we might grow thereby. So we're, uh, we're to uh, give as high regard to the Old Testament as we are the New, there's not, some, there's not some substandard Scripture and some that are better than others, you know. Every word of God is pure. The Bible makes it plain. And so we, need, we don't just need the Scriptures that we find in the New Testament. We need those that we find in the Old Testament to have the foundation for what the New Testament tells us. And I thank God for that. Now, the New Testament's a lot quicker read. You could read it through much more rapidly than you could read the Old Testament through. And the New Testament has more practical applications of the Scriptures to our lives, our daily lives, than, than we see directly in the Old Testament. And that's, that's true. That's why it's, uh, you're drawn to it. But it would be a good practice for you. Uh, this is something I've done for several years is to, in my Bible reading, I try to read the Old Testament, Old Testament through at least once and the New Testament at least twice during the course of a year. And that's been a help to me and a blessing to me as I see more and more every year that I read it, see more and more of why it's important for us to get what's there in the Old Testament, not to neglect that. Uh, There have been seasons and occasions where, you know, churches and pastors have suggested to people that the the important function is the New Testament function and the important area to, to focus is the New Testament. And uh, and the Old Testament isn't as critical as um, as that, but that's that's uh, you know that's really a, uh, a um, uh, that's really a wrong approach to take. the The Scriptures need to be read as the as the you know sixty six books of the Bible. Old Lester Roloff said, "My library's down to sixty six books." He said, uh, and uh, that's what he had just the sixty six books of the Bible. He was he was uh, uh, in love with the Word of God, and you and I need to have that love for the, the Scriptures and that desire uh, for the the Word of God to be that which waters the seed that is planted in our hearts by the Word. So the uh, the uh, idea of faith growing, and He said, "Your faith groweth exceedingly." That tells us something else too about the nature of faith, the nature of faith, that your faith uh, starts small as a grain of mustard seed and. You know, the the Lord Jesus told the disciples in the early stages, He said, "Oh, ye of what? Of little faith. Yeah, of little faith. Glad they had some, you know. I'm glad they had the beginning stages. I'm glad they had that seeking faith and that desire for growing faith, but they had a long way to go. And don't we have a long way to go? He says, Your faith groweth exceedingly. suggests that faith can grow a little or it can grow a lot. And so we have the opportunity... Uh, before the Lord as we let the Word of God do what it will do in our hearts to let our faith grow exceedingly. Uh, right now you're thinking, oh, I don't need it that much. I mean, economy's good. Uh, things are going okay. i got my job. You know, everybody's working. We, you know, we, we're there. Uh, we're, uh, you know, I don't have uh, terminal disease like this young man did in the, in the account here. My, my son's not at the point of death. These things may be so. But the times will come in all of our lives where there are crises, where there are critical situations, where the job is not there anymore, where the health is not there anymore, where, the, uh, where that uh, terrible accident has occurred and, and it's devastated our family and we're crushed by it. We're going to all, uh, you know, uh, have situations like that. Not very many people live uh, 80, 90 years on earth without any bad thing ever happening to them, you know. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just it's going to happen. You know, like the like the fellow said, got shot by the girl. Everything bad always happens to me. You know, uh, you know, in uh, John Wayne's picture there, he he was pretty upset about that. You know, he said everything bad always happens to me, and now I'm shot by a girl. So, and that's really a bad thing to happen. That's really a bad thing. If you're going to get shot, you'd rather have to be a a man to shoot you. You know, so, but. but Something bad's going to happen, you know. Uh, you're you're likely to have something uh, something bad happen in your life, and it's times like that that we need a faith that has grown, you know. Um, and that is really the way faith does grow when when everything isn't isn't just perfect. And so I'm sure as we go through the congregation today, we could have every one of you uh, give us testimony of something that's not just perfect in your life, you know. We could have every one of you do something like that. You have issues with your health that need to be addressed, and you need help from the Lord on it. This is an area where faith can grow. You have issues in your family where there's conflict and there's trouble, and you've prayed and you've asked the Lord for uh, direction and deliverance out of this trouble, and so far it hasn't occurred, and the trouble's still there, and you're still dealing with it every day. It's still there. Brother Hetzer talks about his two special needs children. It's not something going to go away. It's going. The kids are going to live their entire lives with these uh, difficulties that they uh, were born with and will live with and will die with. And so, uh, all of all of that has, uh, you know, all of us have a testimony, some area of our life where we can talk about that. Some of us, you know, had had different backgrounds coming up, and and came up with some difficulties that we inherited that we kind of live with. Some of us have that. Others of us have home situations that are that are far less than ideal. And we look at somebody that's, you know, got one mom and one dad and kids in the family, and everybody's, you know, in a situation which is the in the normal what we call the normal situation of a family, and go, wow, you know, they've got that, and and we don't, and. And uh, ours is this and ours is that, and we're dealing with that. And we have these, uh, you know, extended circumstances and, and uh, these situations from past errors that uh, we have uh, experienced. And all that's happening in our lives. But these are times of uh, where faith must grow, where faith needs to grow. We don't, uh, we don't want to remain mustard seed size faith in, uh, in facing the difficulties of life. So if things are going good for you right now, thank the Lord for it. But uh, know that even in times where things are going good, we need our faith to be growing. And that was what was happening here. Uh, this man's faith was beginning to grow. It started uh, small, but it was beginning to grow. And so the characteristics of a seeking faith are simple enough. Uh, you may, uh, if you're here and you, you haven't experienced the, the, the fullness of faith yet, uh, but you're seeking, you're, you're searching, you're looking, thank God for that, The characteristics of a seeking faith are these a desire to hear more of God's word. If you and I, if you are here and you don't really want to hear God's word, you don't have the, you don't even have the step one, the seeking faith, you know. Uh, the, The characteristic of that faith is a desire to hear and to heed God's word. There's an earnestness like this guy had, and as, sir, come down, come down. He's earnest about his request, it's a seeking faith. There's an importunity. He doesn't get distracted. I mean, the first response that Jesus gives was, Hey, you guys aren't going to believe anything unless you see signs and wonders. Uh, you know, and he'd, he'd experienced that. He'd already seen it in his own home country. He said, A Prophets not without honors uh, except in his own country. He's there at Nazareth. They're not believing him. They're remembering his childhood. They're remembering his uneventful childhood. They're remembering uh, his family. They know his brothers and sisters. They know the the, the you know the life that they live they know his mother uh is Mary and they know his stepdad Joseph they know those things uh, about him and so they're not giving him much uh, regard they're not giving him much heat even his own uh his own half his own stepbrothers and sisters did not really believe that he was the messiah until after his resurrection so so um uh, the prophet's not without honor saving his own uh country and so uh, he's here uh, now, and he's telling this nobleman who's come up from Capernaum uh, in this area where, you know, uh, some have have uh, kind of uh, uh, put the kibosh on the idea that he might be the Messiah. And, and he's saying to this nobleman, uh, you're not going to believe, are you, unless you see some wonders, see some miracles. That's what you're looking for. Uh, I want you to see that this individual was not at all deterred by that. He didn't get discouraged and say, well, he doesn't want to help me. He doesn't, want to, uh, he doesn't want to do anything about that. He just went right past that. He didn't even respond to it, really. He just said, sir, come down ere my child die. He says, first of all, he calls him his son. And he uses a different word here. He uses the word child and appeals to the, uh, to the compassion of our Savior. Uh, for a little child, come down here, my child, die. So there's importunity there. He's not a seeking faith is a not a, is not the a faith that gives up at the first distraction. And that's going to be uh, that's going to be uh, ca- the case if you're seeking and have not yet found. Uh, uh, you're not going to be given up at the first distraction that comes along. And there's certainly plenty of those. The devil loves to put distractions in the way of people that are seeking the Lord. He loves to sidetrack them and get them to think about something else and get them off the, the the subject. Certainly that is the case anytime, anywhere. And the devil is always at work in that. But there's that importunity, that de- determination to move from seeking to finding the second stage of faith is seen in this man too, and that's in trusting. Trusting. From believing, seeking, to believing, finding. He's found the Lord and he's found the answer to his question, to his request. He's taking the Lord at his word. That's what finding faith really is. You're going past seeking to finding, you're accepting the word of the Lord. You're taking the Lord at his word. Here's where the seed bursts out into life in the heart of a man, of a, a woman of a boy, of a girl. The seed that has been planted by the Word of God bursts to life and the roots go down and the fruit comes up from the branches that spread forth. There, there is the growth of faith. It's a, uh, it's a point at which we finally take God at His Word. It, uh, it's a, a faith that takes root in the heart. And verse 50 says, The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him. And so he went his way. At the point at which you move from just seeking to finding is the point at which you put your trust in the word of the Lord. You simply say, I believe what Jesus said about me. I believe what Jesus said about my condition as a sinner. I believe what Jesus said about my, uh, uh, about my destination in sin. I believe what Jesus said about my destination and sin being hell and judgment. I believe that God is righteous to condemn me to hell for my sins. I believe that. But I believe that Jesus died in my place and He paid the price for me. So undeserving, but He paid the price for me. I believe that. And now I believe that if I would confess Him with my mouth and believe Him in my heart, that is uh, that he's raised from the dead. That I will be saved. And so, you just move to trusting what he said about being saved. You trust what he said about being saved. And so, uh, it is that your faith germinates and you become uh, a different person. You enter into that state of peace of soul and mind. I remember vividly the getting up off my knees after I uh, prayed. And confessed Christ as my Savior and called on Him and saved my soul at the age of 18. I vividly remember the difference. I vividly remember the burden being lifted. I vividly remember the peace that replaced the turmoil that was in my heart before that. I remember that very well. Now, if you're saved as a youngster, four, uh, three, four or five years old, you know, obviously you're not, it's going to be a little different experience than I'm talking about here at 18 years old. Uh, you, you, you will not have experienced the degree of turmoil and, and emptiness and, and vacuousness that I did before I came to Christ. Uh, that's apparent. But there is a difference that's made in anyone that's trusted Christ as their Savior. There is a peace that passeth all understanding. There is this sense that my soul and my mind are right with God. So he had that. You notice it in some of the things that occurred with him. He didn't grab his reins of his horse, jump on the saddle, and gallop full speed back home. He could have made it on a horse, on a horseback. He could have made it that 15 miles up the hill in an hour or two, you know, if he'd have really thrashed his horse good. Um, he could have made it in an hour or two, but the Bible says he, he went the next day. So his confidence in what Jesus had said that it was true that his son was healed, you know, he said, "Go thy way; thy son is healed. He's well. He's fine now." His confidence was strong enough to where that he didn't rush to see if it was so. He didn't rush back to see if if it wasn't so. Maybe what else could he possibly do to help his son? He just put his confidence in the in the word of Jesus Christ, and that's what you and I need to do as well. Uh, trust isn't shaken by changing circumstances trust isn't shaken by changing conditions you can say well i'm trusting god now because you know things are pretty good and i'm okay Uh, you'll if your trust is genuine you'll trust uh, god just as much when things aren't pretty good and things aren't okay so uh, uh, what kind of faith is it though that says well i'm trusting god i'm trusting god as long as things go well for me that's not real faith at all Um, it's, it's it's when things aren't going well that we really need that. Job said it this way. He didn't understand what was going on. He couldn't get it. He couldn't conceive of it. He's trying to figure out every reason why he was going through what he went through. He's trying to determine if there's something that he missed in his life that he hadn't confessed, that he hadn't forsaken. He's trying to determine if it was something to his family or was it a you know, was it some kind of a, a, a sin that was hidden deep in his soul that he had not recognized? And he, couldn't, he couldn't make head or tail of it. And he just, you know, he was at, a, at his wits end. He was at a loss for what to think. But he said this at that point in his life where he was completely at a loss, no understanding of why God's letting this happen to him, no concept of why it was, you know, how he could even go on. He, he said, I wish God just... Kill me. I wish I was never born. That's how desperate he was. And yet he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He said, even if he kills me, I'm going to trust him till, till he does kill me. And that's the kind of faith we're talking about here that can't be shaken by changes in circumstance. Uh, someone said it this way. Don't doubt in the dark times what God has revealed to you in the light. That's a great thing to remember in those difficult seasons. Well, the third stage of faith today is full assurance. And we see it in verse 53, where the father knew that it was the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And himself believed and his whole house. Himself believed, he'd already believed, but now his whole house is with him on that. It's the, the stage of faith which we might call full assurance. He's already believed, there's already assurance, but now there's the, valid, the validation of his faith as he sees uh, the time at which the word Jesus spoke was the very time where his son began to amend. Uh, he said, he, he he's had something to learn, though. He said, when did he begin to amend? What's that mean? It means when did he start getting better? When did he start getting better? As though it was going to be a while before he was up and about, you know. So he's still used to his old ways, you know. He's still used to, well, you, you, you know, the fever breaks and then you take a few days to get well. And, and, so, and, and that. he said, when did he begin? To, and they, they said, no, he didn't begin to amend. He said the fever just left him, just like that. I mean, it, was, it just left him, and just like he just got up out of bed, and he said, "I feel fine. I feel great." You know, it's just immediate. They said it's amazing. You know, so, so that was one of the reasons why they were uh, they were uh, so easily convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, and that his word was what he said it was. They were easily convinced of that. His whole house, his whole house, got on board with uh, with trusting the word of the Lord. That was the case. The whole house, and uh, that's that third stage. It's the same with the Philippian jailer. Remember him, he uh, and his family. Uh, Acts chapter sixteen, verse thirty-one says this way, and they said, uh, he's asking him, well, "What do I need to do to be saved?" And they they said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house." I wonder what the Calvinist does with those scriptures. You know, what the Calvinist theologian has to do with those scriptures because it's just it's, he's saved in his house his whole house all his servants yeah all his children yeah everybody in the house everybody there that heard it yeah <laughs> you know and the same thing there uh, you know here in, in the philippian jailer he's saved his servants are saved his household saved, his children are saved his married children are saved their wives their husbands they're all saved what's the calvinist do with that stuff you know uh he's all messed up brother calvin is all messed up in that area I thank God we don't have to follow Brother Calvin, but we can follow the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) uh, And so here he is. He he believes, and all of his house believes, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house. And the Philippian jailer says he took them the same hour of the night and uh, washed their stripes, Paul's and Silas, and he was baptized. He and all his, all his house straightway right now. And when they had uh, uh, brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Three times there in that brief passage of scripture, the Lord wants us to get it clear in our minds that everybody there in that household put their faith in the word of Christ and, and the word of Christ, which was preached by Paul, they trusted in that word and all of them were saved, all of them were scripturally baptized that day and and all his house. So the third stage of faith is that, is that full assurance of uh, what you're trusting in, and what you're believing, that it is so. How many ways has the Lord assured us of that faith that is real? How many times in your life has the Lord made it clear to you that that faith is something that you can rest your soul, your eternity on? How many, how many different ways has God proved his mercy, grace, and love to, to us and on a daily basis? And How many times do we have to see it to rest in full assurance, you know? That's what I'm talking about. The seeking stage. Don't quit before. If you're here seeking, don't quit before finding. I'm reading the account of a man by the name of Nabil Qureshi. He is uh, converted. He's a child of God now. He's trusted Christ as his Savior. He was a committed uh, Muslim. He was praying in the mosque. He'd heard a little bit about Jesus, and he's confused about it, and he's praying in the mosque and he's praying God I'm seeking you I want I don't want to offend Allah I don't want to offend God I don't want to get this wrong he said I I don't want to blaspheme he said but I'm seeking God I've got to know I've got to know and he's seeking God with all his heart and and uh, the the spirit of God just keeps bringing back to his mind what little snippets and bits he's heard of the gospel keeps bringing back to his mind these things he's heard them People have been, you know, talking to him. He's read about it. He's heard of it. He's rejected it, rejected it, rejected it outright and said it's foolishness, it's nonsense, it's not so. But the Holy Spirit of God does that with the Word of God. And that's why we need to get the Word of God to people that we don't even think are listening because it's the Word of God that does. It's not how convincing you are, you know. It's not how charismatic you are and what your ability is as a soul winner. You know, you, you and I don't have any ability as soul winners. We're just, you know, we're just... Carriers of we just have the bucket that God put the the you know the, the 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 diamonds in that we carry around and and give to people. We just have the bucket that has the water of life in it that we get to carry around and give to people. You know, so God does all the soul winning part of it. He's he's the you know he's the one who gives the harvest. <laughs> so uh, you know it's nothing. There's nothing you have to be different than a, than a surrendered child of God to be a soul winner, to, to be, uh, to be the, the vessel that God uses. You and I just need to take the Word to them. The Word does the work. The Word does the work. So find different ways to get the Word to them. Give them those gospel tracts. Give them a verse of Scripture. Read them something. Speak a, speak a part of a phrase of a verse of Scripture to them. The Holy Spirit will do wonders with that word if they get it, if they if they have some of it. So we need to we need to bear that in mind and just speak a word, speak a word. So uh, people have been saved by hearing one verse of Scripture. The Spirit of God has struck their heart and and convicted their soul and brought them to Christ because. They heard one verse of Scripture. Uh, I can give you countless examples of that. And so, uh, let me encourage you to recognize the power of the Word of God. Uh, they, the these uh, uh, people that we're talking about here, heard the Word of God, and that's what made the difference. So uh, he's praying in the mosque, and he's seeking the Lord, and and uh, he is uh, searching for the truth. And the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and. And helps him to recognize that that uh, his seeking is going to have an answer if he keeps on seeking earnestly with all his heart and indeed he did. He continued to seek uh, the truth he wasn't necessarily seeking Christ he didn't not know that he, he had rejected that uh, the possibility that Christ was who he said he was, and so he wasn't seeking Christ, but the Lord's Christ made himself known to him uh, through through the faithful, uh, the faithful giving of God's Word by faithful Christians. And so let me encourage you in that area as well. If you're seeking today, keep seeking because you will find. Faith takes God's Word for what it is uh, without any need of signs and visions and dreams and revelations and wonders. Faith simply takes God at His Word. Genuine faith will make us people of prayer It'll make us responsive to God's Word. A genuine faith will give us a desire to obey what we hear from the Word of God. Go thy way, he said to the nobleman. Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the next thing we read is that he went his way. He did exactly what Jesus told him to do. Genuine faith also affects others in our circles of influence. Is anybody else touched in your life by the fact you claim to be a Christian? Anyone else influenced for Christ by the fact you claim to be a child of God? I hope that is so. It should be so for all of us. It's not as much for any of us as it should be, but it certainly should be so. That our circle of influence ought to know that we're a Christian and ought to be influenced for right. God help us if we as a Christian are more of an influence against Christ than for Him in the way we live and the choices we make and the things we do and the speech. It comes out of our mouth and the attitudes that we have. God help us not to be one whose circle of influence is the opposite of what it should be because there's so many faults in our way of living that people are distracted from Christ rather than attracted to Him. Genuine faith will make a difference in that area in our lives as well. So I ask you the question this morning. Do you have genuine faith? And if it is genuine, do you have a faith that is growing? Let's stand together and give an invitation if the Spirit of God has been working in your heart and you've been seeking, 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 let's, uh, may we help you. May we help you to see and define forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We can show you out of the Bible and in a moment's time. You can have the peace that we're talking about here that the Holy Spirit of God will give you. Peace in your heart, peace in your mind, peace in your soul, because you're a child of God, trusting, believing His Word. And then, Christian, you and me, God, God help us all to have, uh, to get our faith back on the on the growing track and get back where we uh, ought to be, growing in faith, growing in faith. Let's uh, ask the Lord to help us respond to, to His Holy Spirit today. Father, we pray Your blessing on the invitation. We ask that You'd help each one of us uh, to uh, confess and forsake sin in our life, to uh, to uh, desire to grow in our faith. We pray for those that may be here still seeking, seeking, but haven't yet found that. Lord, you would make yourself known to them today that you'd reveal uh, through your word and through your Holy Spirit yourself to them. Help them to come in faith to trust you as their Savior. And I pray, Father, for each Christian that you help us to be growing in our faith. In Jesus' name. uh, 496, I'm sorry, 496 will sing, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender. If you would respond, use the invitation today, I to encourage you to that. All to Jesus I surrender. I freely give I will ever love and trust